Hello, I'm Cynthia. Welcome to Tales of the Valley, the wonderful stories and personalities of the Manning Valley. Some of you may remember the iconic pine tree that once stood proudly in front of Manning Base Hospital. Today, we meet 92-year-old John Ritchie, OAM. John was the man responsible for first climbing and lighting up that tree in 1957 the tree that signalled Christmas across the valley. We pick up the story of John's early life in Tari, where both the Second World War and his father had a big influence on his early days and career. Not, I think it was 1945 or 46. Dad wanted money. So he started a milk run. Or he, I don't know, that's right, he wanted money. But he did start a milk run. So it would have been just at, at the end of the Second World War, he, end of the no, Depression? No, beginning of it. Beginning of it? Yeah. Oh, OK. And he had a horse-drawn cart with a bulk milk on it. Those days, they didn't sell a bottle of milk. hardly ever sold a bottle of milk. It wasn't, it wasn't available. It was in a... An oh, oil, so it was in the cans? In the can. And people would come out with a jug? That's exactly right. Yeah. Or they'd put a jug on the front veranda or on the back veranda. You had to find and you'd have to fill it up. Fill it up, yeah. yeah. So I bet there was a lot of running back and forth between the cart and the houses. All the time. <laughs> Never stopped running, literally. And yeah. I'm not, not exaggerating there. <laughs> you just ran. You ran to the back of the house mostly with a pint of milk or a quart of milk, whatever they wanted. Yeah. And you know how much they wanted by the size of the container they put out there. Oh, of course. And did the horse know where it was going as well? Well, that was... The, yeah, oh, yes, they did. Mm. Didn't take very long before they knew exactly where to stop. Yeah, yeah. which houses to stop at. Yep. Yeah. Mm. And from about 10 years old, you'd shoot rabbits and skin them? Yeah. So that was dinner? Yes, literally, that was dinner. Yeah. And I have a have a shotgun, which I which Dad had, and for me to use it was just normal. It's just what you did. From about ten years old, you were using a shotgun. Yep, double barrel shotgun. Right. Okay. Then when we, when we moved into town, which was I think about no, it was the end, end of the war, somewhere around 1944 or 45. Mm-hmm. I used to used to shoot rabbits or whatever I could find. What's the creek on the other side of the main bridge? Stitts Creek. Stitts Creek? No, the one before Stitts Creek. Cover, cover, cover? Cover, cover, cover Creek. Oh, just opposite the, opposite the bridge, yeah. 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 I used to go out there on a Sunday and ride through the town, I'm not exaggerating this, or, or through the week with a with a shotgun across the handlebars of the... Of your push bike. The push bike. <laughs> ride through the main street. Nobody took the slightest bit of notice. It was normal. You would ride through the main street of town with a shotgun Sorry. across the push bike handlebars. Yep, and that was normal. Wow. So you ended up... You worked at Peter's factory? I worked at... I did an apprenticeship. My dad was a, had an interesting life because he was... He was an engineer... And he did his time at a steel factory in, Liz, in Newcastle, 
Uh-huh. And when he came, and he was on a ship in Hamburg Harbor when the war broke out, the First World War. Oh, really? Uh, he finished up in jail, German jail, for four years. The whole, the whole so he was there for the duration of the war yep. in jail. Yep. And uh, when he came back from the, from the war, which was spent in the jail, he worked at his father's farm, which was Bays Hill. Mm-hmm. He became a minister in the Church of England by correspondence. Oh, really? And I haven't thought this way for a long time. <laughs> and he left, that was my great-grandfather, he left the farm to, to my father. Mm-hmm. So my, Hugh Ritchie inherited the, the Inherited the farm. farm. And so when Peter's, Peter's Ice Cream started the factory in a hurry to, to beat the new laws which were going to ban all building because it started, it was the outbreak of war. Oh, okay. And I think they started about 39. It would have been about, and it was in those days, Everything was done by hand. There was no, there was no such thing as mechanical machines. Ricky's walked up a ladder. Yeah. To, so all the building was done by hand. All the yes. And that Dad got a job there as an engineer, as in charge of engineering in the factory, because it was it was really the first mechanical engineering job. That it happened in the Manning Valley for a long, long while, mm. if ever. Probably ever. And so when I turned 17, I was at high school. Still didn't know what I was going to do. I remember and Dad said, I'll get an apprenticeship at Peter's Ice Cream, which he did. So I did an apprenticeship there as an electrician. And Peter's sent me to Sydney for 12 months till I got my licence. So I went to Sydney and worked at their factory in Redfern. Oh, okay. In the middle of Sydney. So that must have been a very different experience for you. That's one way of putting it. (laughs) But don't forget, there was no, very few, I can remember walking down the middle centre of Sydney on the weekend Mm -hmm. and no cars, not, not a car. Oh, okay. Just a story. I was, I was good mates with Des West, who was a racing driver, and he was just starting his racing experiences then, at that time. And I was in, working in Sydney, and I was sitting in a tram going down. What's the main street? George Street. George going Street. Going down George Street, sitting against the outside seat, and Des West drove past in a, in his race car, and I. And we looked at one another, and I heard he yelled out, "That's Buddy Ritchie in that car." That's just, and he did a U-turn in the middle of George Street, in the middle of Sydney, <laughs> and came and got you. Came and got me. <laughs> yeah. What sort of cars was he racing? Holden's. 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 Yeah. Mm. yeah. So then you came back to Tari. Oh, then Peter's. I spent 12 months in, in the factory. Was factory was in the middle of George Street, middle of middle of the city. Mm-hmm. Must I don't remember how I got on, but they just sent me to Sydney with a hand with a suitcase, and I had to find. I had two aunties there who helped me find accommodation. I got Rockdale, board board and 
lodging it. Those days, it was everybody. Oh, so you'd board with someone. Board, board yeah. with a woman, whether a family. Rockdale's still a fair way from the city. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then the Peters brought. They started. Peter started a, a factory in in Newcastle, mm-hmm. building refrigerators. Oh, right. Making them, and they sent me there to do refrigeration. So I stopped there for twelve months doing refrigeration work, and that was a, a mixture of building them, making them, designing them, and doing it. And then in 19, when they get married, 1953, 53. I got married, and two weeks, two, a week later, I sta- yeah, it was a week later, I started work with a brand new wife in Lismore. Oh, so you moved to Lismore? The factory moved me to Lismore. Right. Where out, did you meet your wife, Sally? At a, uh, a ball in the, the old Billmore Hall. Oh, in Taree? In Taree. Did she take your eye straight away? We met in the... We met in a barn dance, where a progressive barn dance. Yes. Do you remember them? I do remember them. And she said to me, I didn't come with that fellow I walked in the hall with. <laughs> anyway, that, that fellow was John Simpson, because she, she lived next door. And she didn't come with him, but she came with him. <laughs> so you walked out, out with her? I walked out with her. Mm. And 18 months later, we were married. And... So did the barn dance progress or not? It was progressed. Or did you just stop with her that night? No, no, it was no. progressive. It was progressive. So we started to go out from the, from at dances from then on. Mm-hmm. And eventually we got married in 12, two years later, I think. 53? 53. Because Belmore Hall was in Pulteney Street. Street. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a dance there every... Saturday, every weekend. Right. And all, every organisation had a ball, had a, a ball there on the Saturday night. Because it was like the town hall of Taree, wasn't it? It was the town it? hall yeah. of Taree, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it's not there anymore. So they sent me to Lismore. So I, we drove to Lismore, hired a Ron Reed. Carriers in Tari. Oh, they still do removals, I think. Yeah. Mm. And they took a truck, a utility full of furniture and clothing to Lismore. So we left, I left the honeymoon a fortnight after we were married and started to work as engineer in charge at, <laughs> second, second in charge, there were two of us at a new factory that Peters were building in Lismore. In Lismore. So new wife, new, wife, new job, new, new jo- town. Yep, new town. <laughs> new factory. New factory. Yeah. But you did it. Yeah. So yeah. how long till you came back to Taree? Four years. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, and you got I the job that, at Taree Hospital. I've, I've been watching the papers fairly carefully. Because you I, wanted to come back. Well, I could, couldn't see a future in Lismore with cattle, with because it's not a, it's not really a good cattle area, milking area. Oh no, so it's more beef cattle, isn't it? It is now. Yeah. 
and it was just starting to happen those days. In 1957, I said to Sally, I'm going to look for another job. I think this one's going to fold up. The factory's going to close. There were two main factories there, Foley Brothers, which was on Peter's board, Peter's ice cream board, and Norco. Oh, okay. And, and Norco bought Peter's out eventually. So I bought the, the weekend paper and there was a job advertised at Taree. So I said to Sally, I'm going to apply for it. And I got it. At the hospital? At the hospital. Engineer at the hospital. They were just building it. And so I, I got the, came, well, I came down to Taree and got the job because I had all the qualifications that they needed mm. for a factory. I'd, so perfect job for you, hometown. Yep. Good job at the hospital. So yeah. when you came back, you got involved in the swimming club or in the swimming pool? Anything was going, I played. I played football. Oh, so you're always very sporty. I was always sporty, yeah. Never, never in the front row, but always... <laughs> second <laughs> always row? Second row, <laughs> yeah. So you could pack a scrum? Yeah, could pack a scrum, yeah. So was the swimming pool, was it the one at the riverbank? No, the, the very the first year, only the first year, the bars, the swimming club was at the, at the sailing club. Oh, okay. Started off there, as, as I remember. And then they, the council built the cement bars. On the riverbank. On the riverbank, alongside the bridge. Yes. Yeah. With a big 50 metre pool. Yep. And a diving board. Yes, correct. That's right, yeah. But that, this, the swimming pool at the riverbank there was just the centre of Taree in summer because that's where everyone went. That's right, yeah. And you'd walk for miles to get yeah. there. Yeah. Sit on those hot concrete steps. <laughs> yeah. I used to go to training down there at 6 o'clock in the morning. Did you? Yes. Yeah. I was never very good, but... <laughs> There's a lot of them like that. <laughs> Good, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. No, far from it. But there was always a heap of kids down yeah. there. It was a great sport. It was, a, and it was popular. Very. Yeah. Yeah. So, and in 1962, your father bought a cottage at Blackhead. When he was in Rotary, my dad was still working at Peter's Ice Cream. Oh, was he? So it was yeah. the cottage at Blackhead... Cotton. Where you used to go on the weekends and yeah, yeah, summer. Yeah, because I had friends that used to went to Blackhead. It would have been a bit of a trek from Taree. It was a dirt road. Yeah. I can remember going in with Des West. Who thought it was great to be sliding, sliding turns around every bit of dirt, <laughs> dirt road. Oh, so he was racing cars yeah. to Blackhead, right? Yeah. So you became involved with the surf club then? That, well, living, working out, not working, living out there and swimming, that's how I became involved with the surf club. Mm -hmm. And I had friends, Wilcott's, Charlie Wilcott had a car tyre business in right alongside Saunders shop in the main street. Oh, in the main street? Yeah. In Victoria Street? In Victoria Street. And that's, that's how they, the sale came about, because Dad knew Charlie Wilcott, who was in Rotary too. 
and he dad came back into Tari, back into town, and told his mates in Rotary that he bought a house at Blackhead, and they said, "You what? You bought a house at Blackhead? You wasted." Why would you do that? You, and that's exactly that's the words he used. Why would you do that? And we lived at Blackhead for years, not literally weekends, didn't we? Mm, I can imagine. There was no better place. No. And then, who was the first? We, we, then we started to rent it out. Well, I didn't, Dad did. Mm -hmm. And. So you were involved in, um, with the surf club, so with rescues? Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever hear that shark bell go off? Only in fun. <laughs> and Just to get Eve. people out of out of the water <laughs> and see what how quickly they'd move. No, no, I I haven't. Neither has anybody else seen seen a shark alarm shark alarm that I know of. But I did see a shark. I was swimming training by myself one day, a Sunday it was, and I swam out. They put the boy down to, as a marker boy. And I swam out and around the marker boy and back into the beach. But I pulled up at the marker boy and looked down. It was a brilliant sunny day and the water was as clear as a bell. Mm -hmm. And there was a shark, eight, ten foot long, underneath me. Oh. Just doing a circle. Right. So I promptly swam back into shore. <laughs> I was about 200, mile, 200 yards out. Meters, wow. And then... One of the couple of the mates were standing on the shore watching, and one of them said, "Jesus, look at Richie! He's training hard today." <laughs> Little did they know. Little did they know, and nobody else saw the shark. He was just cruising out just there. Just cruising out there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm quite certain they were there all the time. Mm. But it's good that you've never had to actually ring the bell to no, get people out of the water. Only in, only in New Year's Eve in, in fun. In fun, yeah. yeah. Now, when you were the engineer at the hospital, I think it was in 1965, was it? You decided to decorate the hoop pine tree at the front of the hospital. I, I decorated as soon as I got there. Oh, did you? Yeah. And but, what but not did you... So, not so flash in, in the beginning as it, as it became What later. did you decorate it with? Just cables made up into light. Into, and I got the, bought the lights from one of the local stores and screwed them onto a cable. Mm -hmm. Later on, when it got a bit flasher, had more money... Bought them, made up. Made up. And what yeah. about the foil milk bottle tops? Well, I, I think it was the. I don't think it was the first. I think it was the second display that I did the lights with. I decided they weren't they weren't glittery, glittery enough. Oh, you wanted a bit of sparkle. I wanted a bit of sparkle. Wanted a lot of sparkle <laughs> because there's only so much you can do with a sixty foot high tree. Yes. Or it wasn't that high then. Those days, so I and Lower Manning, Lower Manning factory as it was started selling milk bottles, milk bottles full of milk, mm -hmm. and they sealed them with aluminium roof 
aluminium coil. Foil. Foil tops, didn't they? Yeah. And the foil was about an inch and a half wide, and the, it was all done mechanically in a, a, a sealing, sealing machine. In the factory, yeah. And it punched, punched the top onto the bottle, mm-hmm. and it left uh, less hundreds and hundreds of yards of aluminium foil with holes in it all the way. Oh, so there were strips down either side of where the holes were punched out. Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah, and it, it all went back into a, into a big roll about that round mm-hmm. with the holes punched through it all, every inch all the way. And that made a beautiful tree. It would have, but... But until the storm... <laughs> And you wouldn't, it always astounded me that I, I was an electrician. I should, have, I should have looked at the aerials and thought, I wonder what they are. But I didn't. So there were aerials next to the tree? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they weren't next to the tree. They, they were actually on the other side of the street. Oh, OK, right. It's a fairly wide street. Normally, but there are electrical lines. Electrical lines. I shouldn't have put them up there, but I did. And the storm came, and it was a it was a pretty violent storm, as I remember, and it just blew me- hundreds and hundreds of metres of foil over the over the over 110,000 volts over the electrical lines. Yeah. And then what happened? Half the town went black. <laughs> so you blacked out Tari. I blacked so... out Tari. I blacked out the hospital. <laughs> But I was in Rotary, no I wasn't in Rotary in those days, I was in Apex which was a pretty active service club. Service club. Mm-hmm. So I had to make a lot of phone calls very hurriedly after I'd fixed the tree up because we didn't know what had happened. And you, know, you, you don't know no. a major disaster, that's what it was, like that. It set the, set the pole on fire. Power poles on fire as well. It didn't just didn't just black everything didn't out. Didn't just black everything out. Set the power power poles on fire. Set the set. Couldn't get near the tree. It was still sparking out. <laughs> <laughs> it was very sparkly though. Oh, it was tremendous. That, that was that till next year. I had a phone call Christmas week before Christmas. Hey, because I knew everybody. Mm-hmm. Hey John, you're not going to bunny. Not going to put Christmas lights around the tree again, are you? I said, yeah, but not the way I same way, same way I did last year. Oh, good, he said and hung up. Was the, so you'd worked out another plan. I just didn't put the foil. The foil on it. Yeah. The Christmas tree in front of the hospital was one of those iconic Tari things. Well, I like to think it was. It was. It yeah. was very much, John. I can remember when I was living in Sydney in the 80s, and but coming home, when you drive up over the four mile, I was coming home for Christmas, yeah. and you could see the Christmas tree. Yeah. And you knew it was Christmas. Yeah. 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 It was fascinating how far knowledge of it went, as a matter of mm. fact. Yeah. And so Peter Calvin then... 
Peter worked for me. He didn't work for the first. Wasn't it was only in the last ten, eight or nine, ten years that Peter worked for me at the hospital. Mm -hmm. of the, of the and then he would help climb the tree and decorate it as yeah, well. Yeah. So there wouldn't yeah. have been any OH and S. No occupational health and yeah. safety. No, not at all. No. Did you wear a harness? What's that? <laughs> no. So no harness. I can. I still remember the last. Last time, I time I climbed. I used to climb the tree first to see what, how the top was. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and that, the star or whatever the decoration was, it had to be on the top, otherwise you couldn't see it. Mm. So I used to climb the top, and I used to drag up. Four by three cable, um, four by three timber strut, four yeah. inch between inches. About, I think I used to have about ten or twelve feet of it, and I'd climb the tree and then tie a rope on it, and I'd pull it, pull this four by three timber up to the top of the tree and tie it onto the top of the tree to strengthen it so it'd be strong enough for me to climb up the four by two. And fix to get the, to the top so you could the put top. the star on. It had to be clear of the tree, tree's growth, yeah. 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 So you would just carry the cable up, climb it with the cable with the lights on it? I'd climb up first then with a rope Yeah. and drop the rope down to the boys. Mm -hmm. and they'd tie whatever I wanted onto, onto it. And I'd, I'd climb the tree and pull it up. So pulling it up. Yeah, and then the last... The last time I remember, I, I pulled the, the timber up and the, and the top of the tree was about that round. So about six inches round? Yep. Wow. Sixty foot up. Sixty foot up the tree. I was a good climber. You must have been <laughs> a really good climber. Yeah. An incredible climber. So the other thing that you did a lot of, John, was hang gliding? Yep. How did you get into that? I'd, I used to dream of flying when I was a toddler. Mm. I used to, I made billy carts with harness on them. I could pull them to, to look like a plane. Last year in Lismore, I got involved with the skiers. And I thought if I can put, a, if I can put wings on, I can fly. Sally bought a, I got Sally to buy a bed sheet and I made a kite and put it, used the bed sheet as a sail. We used to water ski there and I talked him into towing me up behind the boat with the sail on. <laughs> with the sail. And I couldn't get out, I couldn't, I got going all right, but I couldn't get my head above water. <laughs> How had you attached the bed sheet to you? Sally sewed it on for me as I remember. Okay. I made the frame up out of electrical conduit. Right. And then filled it in with uh, with the sailing sail material. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't anyway. That was the very last weekend before Peter shifted me back to to Taree. To Taree, and the boys in the in the sailing club mm -hmm. dragged the river and got the got the kite out. Oh, and they you? actually got it to fly. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, and that was 1957. 
Wow. And then how long did it take for you to actually fly with a kite or hang gliding? I can remember the first one where I, where I uh, was at Foster. You know the, the, the big, you know the big uh, sand hill on the... Oh, the big, yeah, the big sand hills at the end of Main Beach. End of the Main Beach, that's right. Mm-hmm. One mile. One, one mile. mile. Yeah. And one of the fellows had a, built a kite and he, he wasn't going to fly it. So he asked me if I'd ever fly, and I did. And I crashed. <laughs> In the water or on the sand? I'm just trying to remember it as clear as day. I faced up, I walked, carried the kite to the top of the sand dune and got all ready to fly. And, they, and the, the crowd, there was a crowd of hundreds of people. And when I ran, I ran, you know, between a, a group of people and they'd formed a corridor for me to fly down. But I went a bit sideways and, and hit one woman, so she put her hand up and <laughs> held the kite. And I sp- spun sideways and crashed. That was, that was my fir- very first flight. And the next one, I flew off the top of Middle, uh, middle Brother at Foster. Okay. And I landed safely. I flew down and landed halfway up the beach. And the fellow there said, I've been, trying to f- I've been trying to fly for only six months and that's f- that's, you've flown further than me every time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just got into it. Bought a- so obviously you've got no fear of heights at all. No, not at all. No. Yeah. Mm. I came, Sally and I went overseas in 1980, beginning of 1980, the end of 1980, and I saw a fellow hang gliding at Germany in the bottom end near Austria. I thought, I'm going to go, I'm going back home, I'm going to buy a kite. I'm going to do that. And I saw a f- was. I saw him in when the plane landed. There was a fellow there from the hang gliding club. I can't think of his name now. He had a kite for sale, and I bought it. That was the first kite I had. <laughs> so, John, you got an OAM Order of Australia. Yeah. For all your work, service work. Yeah. In two thousand and eight. So you did some amazing things with um, Rotary and Papua New Guinea? Yeah, I spent a lot of time in Solomon Islands. I noticed the artefacts on the wall. Yeah. Are they Solomon Islands? Some are Solomon Islands and some are Solomon New, New Guinea. Guinea. I was in New Guinea, I was at the top of the Kokoda track, and some of those the smaller. What's the name? What do you call it? Oh, the call? Bird of Paradise, is it? Yeah, that's, that's from the Kokoda track on New, in New Guinea. Wow. And the beads on the end of the Solomon Islanders, they make, they make them out of stone and they, they smash up and then grind into beads. And that, it take them months and months to make that. It's beautiful. And it, it's worth a th- to them, it's worth a $1,000, they said in there. So, what did you do in the Solomon Islands? Started in 1986, 85, 86. Mm-hmm. 86, there was a hurricane 
which destroyed all their schools were just bush schools, bush, and well, Rotary, Rotary volunteered to rebuild them as bush schools, but with a proper timber frame and to Australian standards. Mm-hmm. And it destroyed all the, the hurricane decide, destroyed all the schools in the Solomon Islands. Wow. So, right, and Rotary built 80, 97 schools, 97 oh, schools goodness. in 12 months. And they all did it with, all done with voluntary labour. Voluntary. But what a and, wonderful experience. Oh, yeah. And so, some other community work that you did, you were captain of an SES boat in the 1978 flood. Yeah. I had a couple of, I had the, I'm just trying to remember, I had the rubber ducking for the 87, 86, 87 flood, I think it was, and the second flood a couple of years later, and I didn't rescue because they were on dry land, but they had to get out, there was no way of getting them out, so I used the rubber ducking. I think I was president at the time, so I could get permission to. <laughs> to <laughs> so you do just it. did it. To do it, yeah. So it were you just, were you in the '78 flood as well? Because that was the really big one, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I had the must have had the rubber ducky then. Harold's boat. Harold's boat, and I borrowed it. And I rescued. I didn't rescue because they were on dry land, but I. But them they up. were marooned, weren't marooned, they? They would yeah. have been isolated. Yeah. Yeah. So like Dimerica Island and all those islands, all those farmhouses were very isolated, weren't they? Yep. Very good. Well, John, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time. Well, I hope you can make something of it. I think we will. Yeah. It's been very interesting. You've lived an amazing life. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. I know, I've had a good family, haven't I? This has been part of the series, Tales of the Valley, the wonderful stories and personalities of the Manning Valley. Until next time, I'm Cynthia.